made a decision on Shohei Otani and how we will treat him on CBS Sports. And we're also talking some more bounce-back candidates for 2018. Welcome, everybody. I am Adam Azer, at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R on Twitter. Everybody, state, uh, state your name and give your Twitter handle right now. I, I'm Chris Towers. Hi, Chris. At Hi, Chris. Towers CBS, and I'm going to Shohei you the way to use him and... <laughs> I'm not letting you get away from that, Adam. What do you mean? It's getting in the podcast. All right, fine. It's in. It's in. So go, you, you want to explain what just happened? Adam Adam is very self-conscious about his intros and outros. And uh, he – that was what, the fourth one? Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Uh, and the first one was, uh, we're going to show hey you the way. <laughs> and then he got very uh, – very upset himself and it wouldn't. It was so continue. bad. It was so bad. It was uh, bad, but it was good. Well, Chris, well, you know, you have such low standards for comedy. Uh, Chris, welcome. Who, who's next? Who wants to introduce themselves to Just the audience? Just low standards, period. <laughs> Could have left it at that. I'm Heath Cummings at Heath Cummings SR. I'm Scott White at CBS. Scott White. Well, hello everybody. And welcome to, to our White. fun. I, I said Scott White. It's not Scott. You did. White. It's Scott White. I heard Scott. We all knew Scott White is was your name when you were the lead singer of a ska band. Yeah, in the, exactly. The Scott right. White. No, we were the we mighty were mighty funk cast. We were like, yeah. Okay, you know the cast and characters. If you are a new listener, we welcome you to Fantasy Baseball today. We uh, podcast every day during the season, five days a week, not the weekends. And we have a lot of fun. We help you win. We're going to get up to five days per week pretty soon. We take a lot of your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Last year we talked an inordinate amount about uh, the versatility of raisins. So those are the types of things you get on this podcast as well. But let's talk about Shohei Otani. First of all, what do you think about Shohei Girl as a team name? Sure. Yeah, it works. I've heard worse. Yeah. Shohei it's, Girl. It's, it's not quite Yasmani <laughs> Tomas. More problems. Money, 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 Tomas problem. Problems. Okay, yeah, it's not quite that, but it's obviously. Right. right. It's, it's a, you, you can't hold it up to the standard of the greatest fantasy baseball team name ever created. No, no absolutely. Falls off the tongue. Uh, Chris Towers. I have low standards. You wrote the, uh, you wrote the article on it, so what have we decided? There will be one Shohei Otani in CBS Fantasy Leagues. You will have to make a decision whenever your lineups lock, either daily or weekly about whether you want to use him as a starting pitcher or a hitter. And his category stats will only count for whichever one you pick him as. Now, this is basically just he's dual eligible. It's just the first time we've had a dual eligible pitcher and hitter. Uh, so that's the only that's the only difference. I think it's the best uh, best option. This idea that his hitting stats should count when he's a pitcher is ludicrous. So Ludacris. I think this is the right way to go. Ludacris Towers. Yeah, I agree. That would be right. that would be unfair. Well, um, it would it would just mean we'd have to make every pitcher right. hitting stats. If, <laughs> and if, nobody if if both the hitting and pitching stats would count at the same time, then that would be true. That would have to be true of every player to be fair. So I, it's I like the idea of an NL only league where all pitchers stats count. Just as something different. I just But it's really too wonky when you have AL pitchers that don't hit. Right. Yeah, if it's if it was just an NL only league and every pitcher was you know had the same um, access to a bats, right? It would be fair, but yeah, if, if every pitcher's hitter stats counted, it would put NL pitchers at a distinct disadvantage since pitchers by and large are bad at hitting, and they have NL pitchers obviously get a lot more at bats than AL. And really, the big impact here is in seasonal league and weekly leagues where you just set your lineup once a week. It's pretty he's, likely you're going to use him as a pitcher, pitcher right? Just about every week. But in daily leagues where you set your lineup every day, it's going to be different. Uh, Scott, I know you think it could, could change his value quite a bit in those types of leagues. If he's actually good at both. Now it's possible he's not a good hitter. It's possible he's not good at either. But let's just say, uh, you know, he's he's everything we wanted to be as a pitcher. But the hitting aspect, he's just not getting enough reps to thrive at that. Then obviously... That aspect is wasted even in a daily league. So, you know, I wouldn't go hog wild over him this year before we even know how it's going to play out. But uh, he probably moves up about, you know, I have him 130 in categories leagues, uh, you know, just standard thinking weekly format. If it's a daily format, I mo- might move him up into the top 80, top 70 even. Heath, where are you drafting Shohei Otani? 
I'm not. I'm one of my team names is going to be Shohei Notani. Why? I'm not. I'm not going to draft any Otani this year. I don't think like what Scott said in the 130 range is fine. I don't expect he's going to be around in the 11th round very often. Someone's going to get overly excited and draft him. And there's just too many hurdles to clear, in my opinion, for him to be like, I don't, I don't expect him to throw more than 140 innings. It's really hard to be a good fantasy pitcher at 140 innings. And it's not like he's going to throw 140 innings because he pitches four months normally and then is shut down for a month. He's going to throw 140 innings, but have weeks where he doesn't pitch at all because he's part of a six man rotation. He's, Almost never going to give you two start weeks. Is that is that confirmed? They are they are aiming to have a six man rotation. It's pretty much the only way it, they can make it work. It's worth noting, no pitching plan actually works out. <laughs> like it just yeah. whatever your plan is. If you wanted to go with a four man rotation, a five man rotation, a nine man rotation with the same nine pitchers, like some pitchers get hurt. Like something like forty percent of pitchers. Starting pitchers go on the disabled list at some point during any given season. But they could pretty clearly just say Shohei Otani is going to pitch on five days rest, at least. Sure. He's not going to pitch yeah. on anything less than five days rest. That's my expectation for him. Maybe yeah, once I, or twice. Was, you, you put an up, uh, upper cap of 140 innings. I, I go a little higher. 160 is uh, the most I could see Otani getting in this role. But either way, the point is that uh, he's not going to – like there, there are clear limits to usage on both the hitting end and the pitching end since he is trying to do both. I mean, the, his body needs a chance to recover, uh, like everybody's does. So that's, and you're, you're having to commit every scoring period, even though he's dual eligible, you're still having to commit to him in one role or the other. So it, it pretty much eliminates the chances of him being elite. Now I rank him among pitchers. I rank him right alongside Rich Hill, because I think inning for inning, I think he could be as good as Rich Hill. And Rich Hill obviously has plenty of value in fantasy still, but because uh, we suspect there are innings limitations for him just because durability and his age and whatever, uh, you know, we, we've we seen him throw less than 150 innings each of the last two years. So I'd probably put about a 160 cap on Hill just like I do on Otani. The upside for Otani is probably 2017 Robbie Ray. Like the absolute, and that was like Robbie Ray had a, an amazing season. 12 strikeouts per nine ended up with over 200 strikeouts despite only throwing 160 innings. I wouldn't expect Otani to yeah, strike out. I don't 12, think that's a realistic upside. But his strikeout rate in Japan relative to the league average, the league average strikeout rate in Japan is lower than it is in America. You know, extrapolating that out does get him to, you know, around 11. There's no easy way to make that transfer, but he does project to be an elite strikeout pitcher. Well, Robbie Ray is a good example. He threw 162 innings last year, and Robbie Ray finished as the number 13 starting pitcher in points leagues and the number uh, 9 starting pitcher in rotisserie leagues. He had a 2.89 ERA. He had a 1.15 whip and 218 strikeouts in 162 innings. Holy cow, that was one hell of a year for yeah. Robbie Ray. I mean, he's kind of... Among all starting pitchers, he's kind of an outlier with the strikeouts. Um, but how, let me, so can I give you another? Would, let me give you another. I mean, example. if we're talking best, like that is literally a best case scenario scenario for Otani, like something he has, you know, less than a five percent chance of of, uh, of of achieving. All right. Uh, but you know that that's kind of the best case scenario for any pitcher on a hundred sixty inning. All right. Let me give you another one. Alex Wood. Alex Wood threw a hundred and fifty two and a third. Now the re the win loss is huge for him. He went 16 and three, but he was the number 15 starting pitcher in points leagues, and he was number 12 in roto. Alex Wood on 152 and a third with a 16 and three record, 272 ERA, and a 1.06 WHIP, uh, 100 and a, a strikeout per inning. Yep. What do you think I mean, about that? Him being top 15 at 152 and a third. Again, it sounds more like a best case scenario yeah. than the most likely scenario but uh it it it, it seems it, it seems plausible i okay. i think it's maybe more likely something like uh cc sabathia 148 Ooh. innings of a 369 and 127 a lot more strikeouts i would think more strikeouts yeah uh, but yeah in terms of the rate stats that's probably a more realistic uh outcome he's probably not going to step into the 
majors and set the world on fire. Maybe Charlie Morton. I'm sticking with my Rich Hill comp. I don't know why you guys keep trying to improve it. I think it's good. He is th- – the most likely outcome is that he's not that valuable in a weekly league as either a hitter or a pitcher. Rich Hill had a 332 ERA, a 1.09 whip, and 166 strikeouts in 135 and two-thirds. He did not – he did not finish very high in the starting pitching rankings. I don't even know if he was top 40. He's probably around 40th or so. Yeah. But it's a guy like, you know, obviously there's, there's overall rank and there's per, there's overall production and there's per appearance production and per appearance, per, I mean, they both mean something, mm-hmm. but a pitcher who is better per start is better than just where he places in the I, standings because obviously where you're slotting um, it, it, it the impact he's making the moment you start him is bigger than just the impact of the 50th pitcher. I guess I would the only the only reason I've had have Hill higher is I do think their innings are probably similar. I think it's more likely that Hill's innings come over a three and a half month stretch and he spends a month on the DL. And right. Otani's 140 innings. I'm thinking he doesn't have a DL stint. And that's the reason why you shouldn't reach on Otani is. If, I don't know, random, if Jeff Samarja goes on the DL, he could still get to 160 innings. If Shohei Otani has a month-long DL stint, which is not that unexpected for any starting pitcher, let alone one who there are reports of ligament damage. Now, I think that's kind of, that that became a story is kind of dumb because I think if you did a physical on every single pitcher every single offseason, 90% 90% of them would probably have some kind of ligament damage in their elbow. But either way, we're, we know that this exists. One DL stint and you're looking at 110 innings. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that Heath is saying is it's better to have a DL stint. You can just put the guy on your DL rather than having a guy who's going to be on your bench some weeks because he's just not starting and, but and not having a two-star pitching, pitcher, not ha- a guy who's going to make so few two-start weeks, uh, is also, tough in those head-to-head formats probably just much better in roto we don't have to worry about that quite as yeah much. i mean it, it's pretty rare that teams play only five games in a week and i mean there there usually are a couple every week that do but for no, the angels but, specifically but, to have that happen over and over no, again no, no, and i'm not still, saying they, having, they may outright skip them sometimes look they may we can look this up but right now. but i mean the thing is too if they're outright skipping them if they're even using even if they would even if it's a situation where most teams would use a phantom injury to put a pitcher on the dl to preserve his innings which happens pretty frequently today they could just use otani as a hitter during those times you know like and and maybe that's a time when he is worth using starting as a hitter instead of a pitcher i i just want to wrap it up i'm not saying that they're going to not have six game weeks i'm just saying you have a six man rotation you're just going to have fewer two-star weeks. It's that simple. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. There won't be many two-star weeks for Otani, but I don't think there will be many zero-star weeks. There will be some of both. Next week, we will talk about some prospects. We're going to get to it today. Scott's top 100 prospects are out. We have plenty of time to talk about that. Next week, we'll talk about some breakouts as well. There's going to be a lot of great content on cbssports.com slash fantasy uh, just coming out in the next few weeks. All the draft prep you need. We're, we still got a lot of time before the draft, but it'll be here before you know it, before all your hey, drafts start. Yeah. Can I interrupt? Uh, no. I already did. Okay. You're asking now? <laughs> the Angels uh, have two five-game weeks this season, week 17 and week 21. When you ask, can I interrupt, and you do that by interrupting, like what? You know, what is I'm that? I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> just trying to be nice. Well, you're trying to be nice now? Sue me. Sue me for trying to be kind and thoughtful. I appreciate it, Chris. I guess I'll just be more... Chris. Chris. <laughs> now I want to tell you about uh, the Sportsline DFS podcast. We gave out two lineups. We gave out a FanDuel lineup and a DraftKings lineup on yesterday's show. They both cashed for me. Uh, every tournament is different. Every contest is different, but uh, they both cashed. They were both pretty good. So we're giving out good advice. We're helping you win money. And the show is only about 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, something like that. So you've got time to listen to that and other CBS Sports podcasts or any podcast you want. But you really should only listen to CBS Sports podcast. So it's called the Sportsline DFS podcast. It's five days a week and we just, we give you some lineups for basketball and pretty soon that will be baseball and of course football whenever that is relevant. So check that out in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Sportsline DFS podcast. News and notes before we get to the bounce back candidates that we didn't talk about yesterday. 
Andrew McCutcheon is embracing a move to right field, saying that it may keep his legs fresh and lead to more steals. And he only played 13 games in right field last year. He did not steal a base, did not have an attempt in those 13 games, but that's obviously a very small sample size. Can you buy that his stolen bases could go higher uh, without playing center field? McCutcheon had 11 steals last year. Well, I'm sure Scott does, and I don't think Scott's necessarily wrong. Why, why are you putting words in my mouth? I believe it was you that coined the <laughs> phrase last year that stolen bases are mostly intent. Yeah, no, that's true. I do believe that. So right. that's why I'm putting words in your mouth, because you already put them there. And if Andrew McCutcheon <laughs> wants to steal more bases this year, I would expect that he will steal uh, a few more if, bases. If he is committed enough to doing it, then yes. But I, I think the way his, his you know, four, four years now, uh, he, the last 20 steal season he had was 2013. So in this particular instance, I'll need to, I'll need to see it to believe it. Okay. And McCutcheon has not had more than 11 steals. In three straight seasons. Other news, not a lot here, but Josh Harrison seems to want out of Pittsburgh. Christian Yelich seems to desperately want out of Miami. Adrian Gonzalez, according to the New York Post, is the favorite to be the Mets' primary first baseman. Weird. That is weird. <laughs> yeah. No. Who could have seen this coming? Wow. Oh, Dominic Smith Mets. really rubbed them the wrong way last year, huh? I mean, Adrian Gonzalez hasn't been good since 2015. You know, maybe they just want to motivate Dominic Smith, or maybe he's not going to start the season as the you know what? everyday first baseman. If, if Adrian Gonzalez is bad, it won't last, right? Right, right. Like, it'll, you know, they'll give him four to six weeks, and he's batting 250 with a 680 OPS, and they'll be like, all right, let's bring in the kid. You know what? If he's what he was in 2016, it probably lasts most of the year. Yeah, he was fine in 2016. He wasn't he wasn't good, a but good he wasn't, first baseman. He wasn't going to replace him. Yeah, yeah, he was like, you know, around the Mitch Moreland level of first baseman. Did Dominic Smith, I'm going to look right now, did Dominic Smith get drafted in the early Roto mock that we did? I would guess not. Yeah, I think we would, because that, that's only 23 rounds, it's only filling out a starting lineup. Uh, I would, I would think we'd need some kind of bench to get that deep into the first base rankings. Well, how about this? Not only did Dominic Smith not get drafted, but according to Control F, Nobody named Smith got drafted in that league. Whoa. Incredible. Such a popular Smith's not name. That, the Smith name is really going downhill in baseball circles. Okay. Well, I mean, all the, eventually all the, uh, you know, all the, all the people with, with blacksmiths in their ancestry are, are all going to die off, right? Well, I, I don't know why. Why? <laughs> <laughs> eventually. I'm not sure where to go with this right uh, now. Like before the rest of us do? No, I'm just no. Why? Why not in our lifetimes? Not in our lifetimes. I'm just saying. Like, why are the Smiths gonna die off well, before black, the whites? Because blacksmith is a distinct, uh, you know, extinct. Sorry, blacksmith is an extinct profession. And you think that they all just don't have jobs now? <laughs> are there some blacksmiths? Maybe there are some blacksmiths. Don't I put mean, words in his mouth, Whatever. There is still smelting to be done, Scott. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. You don't sound like it's okay. And then uh, two fun items. I regret saying anything. (laughs) Two fun items. Jamaica's women's bobsled team qualified for its first Olympics. Sell the movie rights. Good stuff. And uh, have you guys used the Google Arts and Culture app? No, I have not. My wife has. Is it available on the iPhone? Yeah, I just downloaded it. So you know the whole selfie thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. What are they using this information for? They already have all of your information. Yeah, but like my my selfie. I don't have a. They, I they, don't have they, any Google selfies. They have a lot of pictures no. of you. There are no pictures of me. I, Not selfies. Google image Chris Towers. Yeah, so you make a selfie and then it shows you a a portrait, a painting that looks like you. It's I'm fun. assuming mine is like a Civil War general or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Although we did have a, a football listener who looked exactly like Chris Towers and tweeted us a picture of him <laughs> winning a league, and it was like, oh my god, that's Chris. So you have yeah. any doppelgangers, anyone with a beard. Bounce back candidates, part two. All right, so let's start with A.J. Pollock. Here's what I have on the menu today. Pollock, Carpenter, Lester, Story, Hamels, and Ian Desmond. Got inspired, read his name last night, threw him in there. A.J. Pollock, last year he was 23rd oh, uh, in terms of where he was drafted. He was the 23rd pick in our points league. He was the 26th pick in our categories league. In the two drafts we've done so far this year, 
or late 2017 for this upcoming season. AJ Pollock, about 20 to 30 picks later, 46th in points, 55th in the Roto draft. So look, he was a top outfielder in 2015. He was third in points, second in Roto. What do you think in 2018, though? It's been a little while now for A.J. Pollock, who is 30 years old. Can he bounce back to, let's say, early third-round value? It's a possibility. I, I gather just from our early mock drafts that I am going to be in the industry one of the lower people on A.J. Pollock because I feel like his his success his elite status in fantasy was dependent on him being really good at several things and i'm just not sure if he's going to stand out in that many areas anymore he didn't last year in either batting average or stolen bases i mean stolen bases he still gave you 20 but he wasn't a real standout in that category and you know even if he bounces back in one of those areas you're you're still talking about uh less than an elite player so i have him he's a top 20 outfielder for me but it, it seems like some people still think of him more as a top 12 option. And, uh, I'm just not sure after, you know, so much, um, some, so many catastrophic injuries to that same elbow that, um, I'm just not sure what he's really that good at anymore. The uh, interesting yeah. thing is the batted ball data for him is all still very positive, very high line drive rate, actually the highest of his career, uh, still, Hits a decent number of ground balls, something that you would expect to uh, sustain a high BABIP, and yet he was only 291 last season. I think he's probably someone who pretty sustainably could be like a 320 BABIP guy. And all of a sudden, if he's hitting 290, right, he starts looking a lot better. The real question for me is he's he's got one season in his career at 500 plate appearances or more. Mm-hmm. Can he play a full season? And if he does play a full season, I would expect he's going to be a top 20 outfielder. Well, that's not very, that's not very good, uh, to play a full season and be top, like, if he plays a full season, he obviously has top 10 I'm not disagreeing with you, I'm just saying that's not really a great ringing endorsement. It's not a lot of upside to be a top 20 outfielder. Well, I didn't say upside, I said expect. Right, right, right. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, Where do you, where do you have him ranked? Hold on, I I just want to point one thing out. He, he only played 112 games last year. I just wanted to say that because Scott mentioned he stole 20 bases. So he did that in 112 games. So maybe he's like a 25 steal guy. Um, something like that. But yeah, okay. Go on. Where do you have him? I actually have him top 20. Right. So I guess I'm hoping he plays a full season. Well, I mean, look, compare him to another, another outfielder who we have, uh, you know, have probably has lower upside for batting average, uh, but was 2020 guy last year, Brett Gardner. And I mean, we all like Pollock significantly more than Gardner. We're acknowledging there's upside in other areas that Gardner doesn't have. Um, but it, it there, I think there's also a possibility Pollock is just Brett Gardner. And still, you know, obviously startable when he's healthy in that scenario, but not a real standout either. Yeah, Gardner was 264 with 21 homers and 23 steals. Batting average is really the key for for Pollock because when he was at his best, he batted 315 in 2015, and he showed us a little bit in 2014 with a 302 batting average, basically the same slash line as he had in, in 2015. He just did it in 75 games. Then he really broke out, did it for a full season, and just hasn't been healthy since then. So I do you find it – I find guys that, like, were good when they were healthy, but don't say – like. Don't stay healthy that often. They're hard to evaluate uh, because you. I don't want to just blame all of his struggles on injuries, but if, if they are injury-related, like Dallas Keuchel, for example. I can make the case Dallas Keuchel, when he's healthy, is the best pitcher in the American League. He won the Cy Young when he was healthy. He was on his way to this. To He was the front-runner for the Cy Young when he was healthy last year, but he's not that healthy. And Pollock, he's like an elite player when he's healthy. I just don't know when he's been hurt and when he's been healthy. How much did... Health contribute to his 260 something batting average last year, 266. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I, I, if the batted ball profile is similar, I would I would think not much. But then again, uh, you know, part of the reason with uh, Miguel Cabrera and Matt Carpenter why they had they had incredible batted ball profiles last year, but not you know, underwhelming production, relatively speaking. And part of the reason we think is because, oh, they were playing through injuries all year. So I, I'm, I'm still not yeah. even sure of that aspect, how to reconcile um, what 
what looks like quality contact with I'm playing her mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't seem like that always corresponds clearly. Yeah, so let's talk about Carpenter. He's a really good one to discuss here. Carpenter uh, last year was drafted 28th in our points league, 40, 20th overall, 47th overall in our categories league, and, and Carpenter is definitely better in points than he is in categories or roto. This year, I think Chris took him 68th in points, and Carpenter's only first base eligible, right? Yep. Yep. But it only takes five appearances at another position, so he could gain eligibility at some point. I'm just not sure how much third base eligibility is going to help him. Sure. Uh, second base will be nice, but I don't know if that'll happen. But 68th well, in points, the... 98th in Roto drafted this year, so a big drop for him. Dual eligibility is not not as much about positional scarcity as it is just the flexibility. That flexibility is valuable in and of itself. It does have some value. Yes, it's very. I yeah, think it's. Keith has is all value. in on this third base is deep. Yeah, I do think third base is deep. I mean, it is deep. Like I. I thought going into last year, third base was the deepest I've ever seen at infield position. And, you know, as the year played out, that depth kind of got, you know, it, it, it got beaten down by attrition. So I, I don't know, I don't know that, you know, I, I don't know that I wouldn't welcome third base eligibility for anyone. I, I don't know that it'll stay the deepest position all year. I'm not even convinced it's the deepest position now, to be honest, but, um, I just want to throw that in there. Uh, as for Matt Carpenter, I don't understand how Matt Carpenter didn't have a better year than he did last year. He hit the absolute whatever you want to say out of the baseball. Um, he does look a little bit different in the way that he went about it than in the past, but he still walks a ton. He had a hard contact rate over 40%. If he continues to hit that many fly balls and hit the ball that hard, which is at a 50% fly ball rate, maybe that's a little bit too high, but 12.2% home run to fly ball rate. It was his lowest since 2014, while also posting a career-high hard contact rate. So the one thing I will point out, um, and there could be like a selection bias in these numbers, I'm not sure, but according to Fangraph's split tool, he was shifted on 61. He had 61 plate appearances end against a shift in 2015. In 2016, it was 212. In 2017, it was 289. Now this doesn't take into account weird because he had a his lowest ground ball rate of his career. Sure, but it doesn't take into account plays when you walked, plays when you struck out. It's just balls in play, so you know it's possible that there's some noise there. But he had his least productive season against the switch and was shifted more often, so it's possible that defenses have just figured something out in his batted ball profile that's not necessarily you know shifts aren't just in the infield. There's lots of outfield shifts. I understand. If, if you have a hard contact rate over 40% and a fly ball rate over 40%, the shift shouldn't matter as much because you shouldn't hit 23 home runs. Right. He probably should have had more home runs last season, and you know he did have one of the biggest uh, gaps between his expected WOBA and his actual WOBA last season per stat cast. So how confident are you that, that Matt Carpenter is going to bounce back and, and be like fourth round, third to fourth round value? I don't know that he's that good because I just worry also about the fact that he's on the wrong age, wrong end of 30. And sometimes those numbers, when they start to go bad and we can't figure out why, well, then the next year it's not that the numbers get better. It's that the batted ball profile starts to look more like the numbers did. I I felt we were asking this question about Matt Carpenter at this time last year, right? Yeah. Will he bounce back? He, he had an oblique injury at the second half that kind of uh, messed up what looked like an MVP caliber first half. Mm-hmm. And uh, is he going to bounce back from the oblique injury? Fine. Except this year he was playing with a bum shoulder all year. He got shut down early because of it. Uh, he didn't have to have surgery in the offseason, but the very fact they were asking makes me wonder if it's going to flare up again next year or right. if something new is going to happen, him being 32 years old, like I'm, I'd be happy taking Carpenter at a discount. Uh, but he is not somebody I'm actively pursuing and trusting will have this bounce back season. I'll give you something that may be a hot take. And I, it's not that I want to trust him as a bounce back candidate, but I would rather draft him than Eric Hosmer in both formats. That's I mean, such a he, no-brainer to me, yeah. He I went 98 That's a no-brainer, really. in Roto. Yeah, Hos- I'd rather have Hosmer. I think most people – Hosmer, Hosmer. Will, will be drafted first. 
For I, sure. I can understand Carpenter a little more in a points league where he, you know, obviously he walks a lot. Um, and that, that adds, you know, 380 on base percentage even last year. But, um, Hos- Carpenter should hit more home runs than Hosmer this year. In theory, yeah. Uh, but I would, I would definitely give Hosmer a higher batting average. I, I think the home run production will be p- pretty close because Carpenter, I suspect, will miss some time that Hosmer won't. Yeah. Mm, okay, well, Hosmer's coming off his best year. Career-high slugging percentage, 498, but not a very high ISO. He just doesn't hit for a lot of power. Uh, but no. Who's but, that? I mean, Hosmer. Yeah, but it worked out for him last year. It does know? not seem like, year. like, the one thing oh. I was hoping with Hosmer is he goes to the Red Sox or he goes somewhere with a good park and things change a little bit, but it sounds like he's going to be in, back in Kansas City or in San Diego and neither one of those are really a big boost for him. Also, I'm not sure Carpenter deserves the injury prone tag. All right, let's wrap no, up Carpenter if you want. He missed Real, 17 quick games last season, which is 17 games last season is normal. Like that's just I I right, don't. But we're not talking about games missed. We're talking about compromised production. That's that's the hard part in evaluating players. Sometimes it's kind of what I was talking about with AJ Pollock and why Carpenter was a good segue because he just you don't know how much the injuries have affected him. And he did have a 998 OPS in the first half of 2016, as Scott said, like MVP caliber player. I wouldn't expect then he that. Heard, no. Then he hurt his oblique. He was terrible. He hasn't, he hasn't really been good since. Um, but that being said, Carpenter was the number 12 first baseman in points last year. He's so yeah, good in that format. I wouldn't overstate how bad he was. He was last 25th he had an though 830 in 830 OPS with a 274 Babbitt. But so much of that is OBP, right? I mean, and and that's only good in in specific right, but formats. but I'm saying he's a he's a 321 Babbitt guy for his career. He had a 274 last season. The answer could simply be he had some bad luck. It could be. Yeah. Or it could be he was playing hurt or yep, could be a lot of things. All right, next guy on the bounce back list. How confident are you in John Lester? He fell uh third he was a th- Third round pick in the drafts we did last year. He went 90th in our points league draft. He went 133rd in our roto draft earlier this year. That was a lot of, you know, kind of hitter heavy draft, but still 133rd for John Lester, who was 27th in points, 42nd in roto last season at the starting pitcher, uh, where he finished, you know, in the standings. So Heath, how confident are you that John Lester will bounce back? I'm less confident that he's going to bounce back than I was that he had some regression coming at the end of 2016 because all the Cubs pitchers did at the end of 2016. Lester outperformed his FIP by a full run the year before. Last year, he was slightly worse than his FIP and, and quite a, a half run worse than his ex-FIP. So I I think he'll bounce back to have an ERA maybe in the mid-threes. What's really going to determine whether he bounces back from a fantasy perspective is does he get back to 200 innings and do the wins come back just a little bit? And I kind of lean towards they will so with lester yeah i'm i'm a little worried about lester because the velocity was down pretty pretty substantially last year and obviously he's in his mid-30s now 34 he just turned 10 days ago happy belated birthday john lester hey happy birthday. Uh, but uh I, I mean he obviously has the potential for innings and with it wins that a lot of pitchers don't. So if he bounces back to a 350 ERA, which with, you know, diminished stuff, I think is still doable. Probably going to be a top 20 pitcher in fantasy. I, I rank him just outside my top I think he's a value right now. Yeah, I've got, I've got him back to back with Jose Quintana. It used to be that Lester was an ace and had this potential to be, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pitcher necessarily, but I do think he, he and Quintana are now very similar. Okay. And I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, maybe an optimistic approach, say with Lester, is that he was just affected by the World Series run. Or he threw in 2016 35 and two thirds extra innings in, well, not extra innings, not like, you know, after nine innings, but 35 and two thirds innings in the postseason, which only brought him to 238 and a third. Not, it's not like an Adam Wainwright number. He had like a 270 inning season not too long ago but that was a lot and maybe he struggled after that and I kind of look at Jacob deGrom who you know his final numbers weren't great but he I, I you know he did a lot of good things to, like strikeout rate went way up in 2017 after struggling in 2016 after a postseason run so may you know maybe just giving an optimistic case for Lester shorter season and uh nice now, now fine let's go John Lester uh Trevor story okay this guy feels almost irrelevant he was a fourth round pick in drafts last year. He went 115th in points in our points draft this year. 
and 151st in our Roto Draft uh, this season. So Trevor Story, can he bounce back? 25 years old. Yes. I'm not betting on it, but I think at shortstop where, you know, if you miss out on the top four or five, uh, you're accepting lesser production. Anyway, I think Story's a fine gamble at the, in those middle stages of the draft. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of risk there with as much as he strikes out, but there's a lot of reward. There's a lot of built-in, um, you know, kind of, if there's any place that where he can have a gentle landing from those strikeouts, it's Coors Field. It didn't work out for him last year, but I, I think there's much more upside there than most shortstops you'll find at that similar stage of the draft. I just, I don't know how much better things get from last season. <laughs> like, he was terrible. Maybe he cuts the strikeout rate to like 32%, and the home run rate goes up a little bit because he does hit the ball hard and he plays in course. So you would expect higher than a 16% home run to fly ball rate. But is he really that much better if he hits 28 home runs? Well, I mean, he batted 239. You can't, you just, it's right. hard and to Right, and that was with a 332 Babbitt. Which is probably right about what you'd expect. If he's going to bat 239, I'm just really not interested. Like, I, I think he has value. I just don't know, I don't know how much better he gets. Yeah, I, the way, the path forward, I guess, is he was about a 25% strikeout guy at double A, triple, and triple A for the last two years. Um, or in 2015. Maybe he gets it under 30, because he was only 31% as a rookie. Yeah. So I think 29% is well within the range. If you cut 5% oh. off, then his average is up closer to 255 probably. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we assuming his home run production doesn't improve? He was on a much better pace his rookie season. Yeah, I I think 30 home runs is very possible. That's not – I mean, I, that seems kind of low. Uh, not, no, that 30? doesn't, seem, that doesn't or, seem low. 30. Yeah, I, I, think, I think 35 is within the realm of possibility. Right, that's yes. kind of – right. Agreed. Well, but and I just want to. He's hitting 250 and hits 30 home runs. He's a top 10 shortstop. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I, I just want to point out he was on pace to be the number two shortstop in fantasy in 2016. He batted 272 with 27 home runs in 97 games. It, it was really streaky, though. Really streaky. First two months, oh no, April. He had a 1020 OPS in April. Next two months, he had. Uh, oh no, I'm missing his his bad streak. Sorry, I, this is incomplete data. But obviously, you know, there were bumps in the road for Trevor Story. Really good, really bad, really good. Um, and I guess that's going to happen with all the strikeouts. He's just going to be a streaky player, you right? Would you think? Yes. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And that streakiness, kind of like we've seen with Seerus Davis, uh, that streakiness may be a year-to-year thing, too. Uh-huh. So who are the guys that you have ranked around him? Like who are The, the Rockies calls? do have... You know, one of the best shortstop prospects in baseball who was at double A last year, right? Didn't perform very well at double A, but yes, I, I think that's, uh, I, I would be surprised if Brendan Rodgers made a significant contribution in the majors this year, but he's obviously getting closer and, um, yeah, you know, DJ LeMay, he's approaching free agency, so maybe one of them moves to second base and it doesn't really matter, but, uh, that, that is something to keep in mind. I have him 10th at shortstop. Um, ahead of your Story. boy Didi Gregorius and Scott's boy Zach Cozart, but just behind Paul DeYoung. Just behind Paul DeYoung. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right, a couple more here. How about Cole Hamels? Cole Hamels, 149th in our points league draft, 236th in our roto draft. Is Cole Hamels done, or can he bounce back? I think he's done. Stick a fork in him. Done. At, at that cost, I'm willing to bet on the possibility of him bouncing back. I think he's a fine, uh, fine guy to take a chance on. That's well said. But he's said. probably done. <laughs> Velocity down, strikeouts way down, I'm, walks up too. I yep. agree. At the 236 pick in a roto league, he's fine. Like, he was drafted immediately after Daniel Mengden and immediately before Blake <laughs> Snell. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I'm that fine <laughs> taking a chance, but yeah, there aren't many pitchers in the world that I'm not fine taking a chance on in the 20th round, just because there's no risk. Once, Where do you go in the head? Daniel head? Mengden goes. Yeah, once Daniel goes. Mengden goes, I'm I'm down for for pretty much anyone. I'll pick Heath. He went in the points league draft. He went 149th. Yeah, so I think that's good too. I'm I'm good with that. I 
I would, if you want, if somebody wanted to place a points league wager on who scores more pitcher points this year, Cole Hammers or Shohei Otani. Yeah, I, but I that, that's probably but that gets into 50, like, 50. there's a decent chance Cole Hamels throws 200 innings, finishes relative, like, like Jeff Samarja a couple years ago, mm-hmm. where like he finishes at a point where he looks more useful than he ever was at the, at any point during the season. Right, right. It's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's, it, it only, it's only meaningful where the, the overall point finishes in leagues where nobody changes their lineup. I just want to pull up that points league draft and see where he went. And I'm getting that now. Okay, so I know where he went, but who went around Cole Hamels? So 149th overall, one pick later, Rick Porcello, and the pick after that was Chase Anderson. So Hamels, Porcello, Chase Anderson, and then Kevin Gosman. I mean, that sounds like the right range for Hamels. I, I would rather I, the one I'd want most of that group is Chase Anderson. And you took him. That was your pick. Yeah, there, yeah. there you go. The I'd rather have Hamels. I'd uh, I'd rather have. Gosman you don't have to say Hamels. that, Chris. We all know that you'd rather have Gosman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I mean, that's Gosman. that's in the range of pitchers where there's like a stretch of 40, 50 that could kind of go in any order. And you know who went just before that? Rich Hill. There you go. Deb, will we all take Rich Hill over Hamels? Yes. Heath? Um, like in a points league? Yes, in a points league. I would not. Like in 2015, uh, Jeff Samarja... Through 200 innings, had a 6.86 strikeouts per nine, uh, 4.96 ERA, a high WHIP, and he finished as a top 50 starting pitcher. I don't. I he was Cole probably be not worth owning at all. And I would expect Cole Hamels, Cole Hamels be better could better. be better than that, but well, you, you should expect him to. I'm not sure we should. He had a 4.62 FIP last I, season. I understand, but you you don't generally say that last season changes everything. No, but when it's 34 years old and you've lost a bunch of velocity on your fastball and your strikeout rate and your, and your swinging strike rate collapse, yeah, I would not expect. I would expect improvement. I would not expect him to be anything good. Okay, so improvement would be maybe a low four ZRA, which is a maybe half a run to full run better than Samarja. Maybe. Mm. Okay, last guy is Ian Desmond. Now, he went somewhat late in drafts last year because he broke his hand during spring training, and, and we knew he was going to miss time. He missed about a month. So last year, he was 120th overall in our points league draft, and he was drafted 109th in categories. This year, Ian Desmond went 157, 152nd in our points league draft, and 66th in Roto. Somebody took him 66th. <laughs> so they have a... I guess that's that's their guy. They like Ian Desmond as a ba- as a bounce back this year. Do you guys like Ian Desmond as a bounce back, or is he just like Cole Hamels done? I don't want to pay assuming a bounce back like the guy who did took him 66th overall, um, because I think more likely than not he's going to be replaced in the Rockies lineup at some point this season because you know. That that year he had with the Rangers that earned him that big contract with the Rockies, everybody was kind of caught off guard by that because of some of the decline he was showing before it. But seeing as he's a guy with power and, more importantly, speed, who's playing half his games at Coors Field, there is still definitely a point in the draft. Uh, you know, he's dual eligible. Still a point in the draft where I take a flyer on that. And, um, you know, it, it would be within the first 23 rounds of a roto draft for sure. I just kind of hope the Rockies don't play him. This is Desmond we're talking about, by the way. 32-year-old Ian Desmond, who, yes, does have speed. He stole 15 bases in 95 games. He's, you know, pretty safe 20 steals guy. And he's got a lot of money left owed to him. So they they need to get something out of him. In 2016, he was Ian Desmond was the number seven outfielder in points, number five in Roto. That was with a 285 average, 22 home runs, 21 steals. Terrible walk-to-strikeout ratio, but that's every year with him. And he did score 107 runs. Does it matter to you that he stole eight of his 15 bases in June? And really, and he only played 95 games, but didn't really do much otherwise uh, in terms of steals. Uh, not, it yeah, doesn't not even really fair. matter to me, now. It's not even fair to say, because in September I think he stole four bases, which would be like a yeah, 24 steal. Yeah, base. I think that's reaching, but... I, you know what? It's, it's interesting what's going on with the Rockies because I'm not sure they even really know what they have in Ian, with Ian Desmond. They don't seem to know what they have with David Dahl. They have Ryan McMahon who's seemingly ready to go hit about 350 at AAA. 
uh, last year, actually between double A AA and triple A, hit 355 with a 986 OPS. So he obviously uh, is capable of playing first base if they wanted to go that route. Um, of course, they have Brendan Rodgers, who's not too far behind. Like they have these young players that they're they they already have you know kind of overkill between the outfield and first base, and that's before you take into account McCann. It's for, McMahon. It's before you take into account that they were pursuing Carlos Santana, Jay Bruce. Obviously, missed out on both of them, but there's a chance they bring back Mark Reynolds. Like there there's some clutter there that makes it all of them. Uh, Rymel, Rymel Tapia, I hadn't mentioned him. He's a pretty good outfield prospect. There's some clutter there that makes all of them a little worrisome. Fun fact. Do you know who drafted Ian Desmond? No. In which round? No. Which team drafted Ian Desmond? In which, in which draft? In the Major in, League Baseball. In the draft. Major League Draft. Oh, and when he was drafted. For the Rule 4 Amateur Draft. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. The that is incorrect. Royals. That is also incorrect. The other Chris, Kansas City. You want to make a guess? I, I know. Okay. I'm looking at it. The Marlins. No. Nope. The Yankees. No. Want me to just tell you now? Yeah. Just tell us. Come on. The Expos. Ah, oh, I never would have got that. Probably, well, probably their last draft, draft 2004. Yeah, it was their last draft. Yeah. I'm thinking he's maybe the last player drafted by them still in the majors. No one else drafted by them in that draft is still in the majors. Well, there you go. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'll, I'm I'll gonna say there's this. someone so else. So he was drafted by the organization he came up in. Yeah. Is what you're telling us. Okay. But it was the Expos. Okay. Alright. Trick question. It was Alright, last question. thing. Does, does this mean anything to you? Ian Desmond at home, 47 games at home, batted 265 with a 331 slugging percentage and two home runs. In Coors Field. In Colorado. I mean. With thin air. I would bet on him performing much better at home than on the road. Is he going to keep hitting ground balls 65% of the time? He's always been a really high ground ball guy, but last year was insane. Insane. Yeah. And it's a small sample size, and that'll fluctuate, but uh, I'm not very excited about Ian Desmond. All right. Are you excited about emails? Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's a great technology. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. Going to experiment with voicemails on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And if that goes well, we'll bring it on over to Fantasy Baseball Today. Doesn't that sound nice? Like today today? (laughs) No. Okay. Not today. I didn't think we had time. What's with today today? Name that movie. What's with you today? What's with today today? Don't know it. Empire Records. Uh, Why is everyone talking about Empire Records lately? I don't know. I guess it's one of the greatest I was 90s at movies. last week, and one of the questions was an Empire Records thing, and then the next day, Heath makes an Empire Records reference. I love that movie. I love that movie, and I know that... I did not get the question right. I did not know what that, Rex Manning Day was for. That's the thing, that Rex Manning Day... Like, EK in our office actually knows the date, and he's always like, Happy Rex Manning Day. I don't remember what the date was, but yes... Uh, Rex Benning Day is great. Okay, update. Email. Yeah, update. Uh, he is Ian Desmond is not the la- only player left drafted by the Expos. There are two players still in the major leagues drafted by the Expos. They are both like Ian Desmond, right-handed hitters. Uh-huh. Ryan Zimmerman, incorrect. Good guess. Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips is correct. Better guess. The other one is a catcher slash third baseman. Russell Martin. Russell Martin. Mm. Uh, nice. Okay. Fun facts of the day. All right. This is an email from Aaron. Hey, Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. With it being a slow off season, it seems like you could use an interesting talking point that doesn't necessarily have to do with fantasy. And since you're in con- collaboration with CBS and the new season of Survivor starts soon, which baseball players and or coaches do you think would make great or fun Survivor players? And who do you think would win? Some interesting ones off the bat would be Carlos Zambrano, Brian Wilson, and Alex Rodriguez. Something fun <laughs> to think about. Uh, Jose Canseco has to be the obvious answer of who we'd want to see on Survivor, no one would, right? I, who wants to see that? Everyone. Nobody wants to Everyone. see that. Adam, yeah, do you want to see that? Uh, Canseco's a... I have no interest in Jose Canseco. Walking reality show. Yeah. But I, I mean, obviously, like, I've, I've, I've seen every episode of Survivor. I'm a big Survivor fan. There have been... Jeff Kent was on and did... Quite well. Nobody knew he was. Nobody knew who he was, um, which tells you something Probably about the popularity of baseball. All time. Did he get anybody? Did he fights with anyone? 
No, no, he did he did well, and he was playing. He like tore his ACL or something in his knee on the first day, and uh, got by fine on that. Um, but currently, current players who might do well on Survivor. I mean, he kind of just picked big personalities here, which obviously is a uh, is a good selling point. Um, hmm, yeah, I don't Who's know. Who's the dude who lives in his car? Daniel Norris. Daniel Norris. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that's obviously. Yeah, there's a lot of hunting types. In yeah, baseball. there are a lot of hunting types in baseball. Like I, I want to say, Pence. Hunter, Madison Hunter Bumgarner Pence. would be the best. Madison he Bumgarner. We know Madison Bumgarner is not good at extreme sports. He would win it. <laughs> so he would not be good on the Amazing Race. I how, think Madison Bumgarner would take to that environment very well. How much yes. does athleticism matter? A lot. Okay, because because Aroldis Chapman is a freak athlete, and he's really big. He's intimidating. I think he'd be pretty good. I don't think intimidating is necessarily good. That would make people want to get rid of you. Yeah, oh, I don't know how it works. I've, well, I've never seen Survivor. Kind of Bumgarner already has well, I, the hair, like he's the been on the is, island for a while. Like you have to be Charlie Blackman. You have to be strategic. You have to be social. Oh, and, and I think physicality is really you know third or fourth on the list. Uh, okay. of, of necessary. I'm going with D Gordon. D. Gordon? They've got like climbing things on there, right? You gotta, you gotta do stuff. I'm... D. Gordon would be very good at doing stuff. Alright, I think this, this has run its course. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, baseball question from Jason. I can keep three of the following five. Goldschmidt, Altuve, Bryant, Bellinger, and Sale. Goldschmidt, Altuve, Bryant, Bellinger, and Sale. It's the first three, right? Yep. Goldschmidt, Altuve. Um, I sale. might keep Sale over Bryant. Actually. All right. And then I was offered a first, second, and third round pick for Goldschmidt and Sale. Should I take it? So you're, then you're looking at a first, second, and third pick for Altuve, Bryant, and Bellinger. No, no, no plus Altuve, fir- Bryant, and Bellinger. What? You said four Altuve, Bryant. So it would be you'd keep Altuve, no, no, Bryant, no. and Bellinger, yeah. and, you'd st- and you'd have a first, second, and third round pick. But a first, second, and third round pick in this format are probably not all that useful. Like they're well, they're they're like fifth pick, fifth, sixth, right, seventh. Right. Pick. Yeah. What do you think? <sighs> so you're losing elite upside, and I don't think that's worth doing. I think I would do it because if there's 36 players kept, then this is basically a fourth, fifth, and sixth. And Altuve is worth a first. Bryant's worth a second. Bellinger's probably worth a third. I, I think I'm okay with it. So I have a question for you about keepers, right? Because I don't play in any baseball keeper leagues. You, you keep three players. Everybody keeps three players. But as you can see with Jason's team, for example, Goldschmidt, Altuve, Bryant, if he keeps those three, he'd be throwing back Bellinger and Sale. Right. If he mm-hmm. keeps Sale, he'd be throwing back Bryant and Bellinger. So there are going to be some players that are first or second round caliber that are thrown yeah. back. It's not It's not just as simple as you start in the fourth round. Like the 36 right. best players are not necessarily going to It's probably more like you're starting with, in the third round. With so few players right. being kept, I, I think you keep your best players. And and don't worry so much about age or upside. There is so much turnover in a league where only every team's only keeping yeah. three players. Right. And like Goldschmidt Altuve for sure. I could be talked into Sale over Bryant just because, you know, that the ace is a dying breed in fantasy and Sale is about as reliable among that top four is any of the top four. Um, so I might keep Sale over Bryant. Okay, next question is from Steven. 10-team points league. 10 starts max per week for starting pitchers. I can keep five. So he's keeping Trey Turner, Robbie Ray, and Luis Severino. Who are his next two? And there are price, there's price involved with this too. So those aren't necessarily his best players, but the prices. Keep two. DeGrom for 45. Paxton for four, Jansen for sixteen, Garrett Richards for one, Lamette five dollars, Jose Ramirez sixteen, Bregman ten, Realmuto three, and Ramirez. That, hold on, before you answer, because I like to read it again. El- eliminate who we can, can we eliminate? Degrom, Degrom, Lamette, Richards, Realmuto. So you're keeping two of Paxton for four, Jansen for 16, Jose Ramirez for 16, or Alec, and Alex Bregman for 10. And I'm going Paxton and Ramirez. If 
if, I think they're if the two does, best players available. Well, I mean, I, I'd put Bregman over Paxton, but there's a $6 difference, and it, it seems like what I'm gathering from the information he's provided us, pitching is uh, really valued in this league. Well, so I could see going Ramirez and Paxton and leaving Bregman out. I would, tough pro- to do. I would probably go Ramirez and Paxton if only because Bregman's shortstop eligibility is kind of nullified by the fact you're keeping Trey Turner as a shortstop. It's true. Also, Steven says go Padres. Kevin says go White Sox, and Kevin is in a 10-team, four-keeper, head-to-head categories league. Uh, keepers are simply picks one through four. Right now he has Judge, Machado, Cindergard, and maybe Severino. But what are your thoughts on trading Judge for Chris Sale and D. Gordon? Categories league. So the, the thing is, it's not just Judge. You're trading Judge and Severino for Sale and Gordon. Oh. You can't keep Severino. <laughs> Did Adam miss something? No, no, no. Because well, no, you can't no, no. Keep you're Severino. only trading Judge, but then you can't keep Severino. Right. Okay. No. So I you're effectively you're keeping Judge. You're trading Judge and Severino for Sale and Gordon. Look, I, I think Sale's better than Judge, so I would do it just to keep Sale and forget keeping D Gordon because I'd rather keep Luis Severino. I could definitely. I mean, yes, I'd make the trade and then decide between Gordon and Severino as your last keeper. Absolutely. Would you rather keep Severino or Syndergaard? I'd rather keep Severino. Um, in a points league, I'd, I'd rather keep Severino. I yeah. might go with Syndergaard in this category. This does bring up an interesting thing. In one of the leagues where I commish, if you make an off-season trade, you have to keep every player that you trade for. What do you guys think of that rule? Um... Because otherwise you're trading guys – like it's if it's a keeper league, yeah. you're trading guys who don't have value. Right, right. It's a good point. I think you if you make a trade for a player in the offseason – and I allow trades at any point in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But if you make a trade for a player during the offseason, you have to keep them. It doesn't matter what happens after that, who else you have to drop. So you so have to keep them. What is player. it you're trying to prevent? That's what I'm trying to I'm trying to prevent out. guys getting traded who have value but don't have value to the team traded to them. Like D. Gordon in this case. Yeah, like D. Gordon. If you're not going to keep him, he shouldn't be involved in the trade. So that they can't just trade D. Gordon again. You're saying they can't. Well, just I mean, flip yeah, D. no, you can team? trade D. Gordon, but oh. if he's on your, if you trade for a player who's on your roster, you have to keep. Right. Um, that player has to be kept. It's something for Scott to consider. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm having trouble figuring out why. Like, why why do you should need to prevent why that? should you allow a trade a player to be traded if they're not going to be kept? Well, that player changed. didn't have any. What, value. What's the what's the negative impact of that player being traded where he's not going to be kept? You're making trades that look more fair than they end up being. Right. Like I'll give you these three guys. You give me one, and then actually you at only the end, end of up the day, keeping one of those guys. Right, and it's a one well, for one trade. If they're good enough to keep, and you're not. Then you're saying you allow them to you allow owners to flip them to somebody else, right? Yeah, like, you can do that, but that player has to be kept by someone. Yeah, his final. And if you don't owner. want to keep them, you have to find a trade. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to figure it out on the spot here. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure there's a good reason for it. I'm just having trouble um, seeing it. Well, Scott's frustration by it will only be matched by the fact that in the dynasty league that Scott commissions, that we're all but Adam in. Nando proposed a rule change during the podcast, and it has been seconded and thirded already. Oh, really? What is it? So I'm sure, and Scott I haven't seen that. Hates the idea of the rule change that's been proposed. So what is it? What is it? What is it? I need it out. Having off-season trading. Uh, he would like to open up off-season trading. Yeah. Oh, that's not going to happen. It's the whole reason <laughs> I started my own dynasty league because I didn't want to allow off-season trading. So when does trading start? Um, after after the auction, after after teams have been after. Roster spots have all been filled for the new season. But Scott, your whole league wants it. Yep. I, they can, it's Doesn't not matter. what I want. This is not, wow. this is not about the good of the league. league. This no, is a 24 not. team league built it's for It's about the, what league I wanted to have. Because what, what I noticed happening in all, in my other dynasty leagues was some, you get this, these like serial traders and they like, take on all these players that they obviously don't have the ability to keep because they're too expensive or whatever, but, oh, I'll give you these prospects for these great players who are going to help me right now cruise to a championship. And then as soon as the offseason hits, 
you're like, okay, well, that's fine. That guy bought a championship, but now he's going to be screwed next season. No, as soon as the offseason hits, he goes and trades all those players again for prospects. And it's just this endless cycle of accumulating and disseminating Sounds and winning like championships baseball. over and over again. And I, it, it just, it just benefits the serial traders out there. I didn't like it. All right. Last thing. Serial trader. I will give you Captain Crunch, Cookie Crisp, and Raisin Bran. For one, one box of Golden Grams. Pass. That's a terrible trade on all sides. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loses. Like, what? what are we doing? Golden Grams are the gold sta- the golden standard of cereal. They are the best cereal. What do you guys remember the mascot of Cookie Crisp being? I don't remember. This is like a generational thing. Is he a I cookie? remember a, a, I believe he was a dog burglar. Oh yeah. You're... There was a burglar and a dog. What I, I thought it was a dog who was a burglar. Yeah, all of those cereals will. Tr- You've heard the saying, "Who yeah, you're peed right. in your Cheerios?" And if somebody peed in your bowl of one of those cereals, nobody would care. But I believe there was a there was a a wizard also who had a cookie walk. All right, yeah. this is a this is a task for Google Images. We'll talk to you next week on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the weekend. See you later.